Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. All these girls gonna be in the league? Hello, gorgeous. Female fight club. All men must die, but we are not men. Damn it, Kristen! What do you think happened to Karen? Lauren. Girl, her name is Kimberly. And welcome to Citizen Dame, the podcast where four awesome ladies talk about all kinds of things in Hollywood. Um, Some good, some bad, some terrible and awful, and some really great. This week we're talking about fun stuff. So uh, today, this is episode 23. I am Karen Peterson, joined by Kristen Lopez. Hello, hello. Lauren Humphreys-Brooks. Hello. And Kimberly Pierce. Hello. So how's everybody doing today? Not bad. It's a great weekend. Aren't we excited? Black Panther's in theaters, finally. It's super exciting. I just read a report that it is the uh, it is number four for Fandango's highest pre-sales of all time, behind awesome. three Star Wars movies. So that's great news. Pretty awesome. Yeah. But we will be talking all about Black Panther in just a bit. First, let's talk about a couple of things. This week in Garbage People is a little bit light, and I am so <laughs> glad. <laughs> Thank you guys for not messing this week up for us, because we really just want to talk about how awesome Black Panther is. So, <laughs> But we do have a couple of things to talk about. Uh, first up, we mentioned last week that Scott Bayo joined the Garbage People officially. He already kind of was, but now... <laughs> now we just definitely have proof. Exactly. Kristen, why don't you give us a rundown of what happened this week? Um, so, as of uh, this week, a new accuser has come out to charge Scott Mayo with some misdeeds on the set of Charles in Charge, which is starting to sound like it was the Bacchanalia of Hell mixed in as a t- sitcom aimed at people who had nothing to do i don't know i was not around when the charles in charge thing was like a thing so from the sounds of it it sounds like it was a hell- nightmarish hellscape that just made scott Bayo a shit ton of money so the thing that makes me sad is that i loved the show when i was like in junior high maybe ninth grade but you know all when these you were in their are... demographic <laughs> exactly but now all these things are coming out it's making the theme song a little bit creepy because there's a line in it that says charles in charge of my days and my nights i had that thought too <laughs> oh, oh yeah. god that's so i was thinking of that and it was like oh you know, no this is the shit that reminds you that you know what Nothing bad or untoward was happening in Perfect Strangers, okay? <laughs> Perfect Strangers. The day that, that somebody comes out and says the Balky Bartakaboos is a garbage person is the day I lose all faith in humanity. Yeah, see, yeah. See, my... My, head, my head went where what was going on with Joni Loves Chachi? I mean, oh, you know, yeah. I'm oh. not going to say anything, but there are rumors that there is a very real reason why the the lead girl on that recently Aaron Moran yeah yeah ended yeah. her life and they say it's all coming back around to Scott Baio um, but anywho oh, the news coming out right now uh, this is from Variety but Alexander Polinsky who was a co-star on the show uh, he was eleven at the time um, he played the youngest brother of Nicole Eggert thank so. you uh, he mm-hmm. is claiming sexual themed hazing by Scott Baio uh, allegedly. Scott Bayo exposed himself, threw hot tea in Alexander Polinsky's face, and pulled down Alexander Polinsky's pants when he was, again, 11 years old. 
Um, he says that this harassment was not sexual in nature necessarily, but it was more homophobic. And again, it's just, come on, dude. Like, seriously? I, you have one job, to go and do work every day and make your money and not be a dick to people. <laughs> He's just obviously a terrible human being. Like, that's all that you can say. Like, this is just... Wow. Yeah, and he also yeah. is confirming um, a, a lot of the inappropriate behavior that Nicole Eggert says that was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, he he claims that he saw Nicole Eggert sitting on Scott Baio's lap when she was underage, which he interpreted as being some sort of innocent interaction, but that when he tried to... Because he was 11, yes. he didn't know. Yeah, yeah. And that when he tried to sit on Scott Baio's lap, Scott Baio got very upset and called him a variety of homophobic slurs. And that's because he assumed that it was sexual in nature. So, again, this is just reiterating stuff. I mean, we knew Scott Baio was kind of a garbage person to begin with, but now he's, like, elevated to disgusting human beings. So, I know that the 80s were a time of, like, hedonism and cocaine and y'all were doing shit, but... Like, seriously? <laughs> seriously? Okay, you know what? This shit never would have happened on my two dads. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> Don't speak things into existence, Kristen. God damn it. Yeah, really. But my two dads have one so job. so much bad shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I... What more is there to say? Scott Bayo, go away. Yes. Just, just go away. I think that, you know how we have this movie coming up, Isle of Dogs? I think what we need to do, instead of men. actual, like, dogs, we need to just send all the garbage men to Trash Island in whatever <laughs> yes. part of the ocean it is and just be done with them. I support this. Uh, you know... Back when I was in college, one of my friends had this idea about putting about a, a matriarchy where all men were put in zoos, <laughs> and the good ones were put in like a nice zoo and were allowed to roam around, and the bad ones were just like locked up in cages. And at the time, you know, we were all like, "That's a little extreme." And now I'm going like, actually, that wasn't a bad idea, you know. She was just ahead of her time, apparently. She really I'm just was. To think that Themyscira needs to be. A reality because yeah it's the only safe place <laughs> it's true it's true well and as wonder woman so aptly said men are basically just here for procreation that's all we need them for so. <laughs> oh we're gonna get so much hate you guys <laughs> i know it's like you all hate men i've hashtag, already been accused of hating before men before you all say it hashtag not all men we know we know, okay? we know. <laughs> i would like to point out that when i started talking about this i was specifically referring to garbage people so sure if you take offense, that's your own problem. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could we could afford to lose Scott Bayo, Harvey Weinstein. They can go to the, you know, they can go get locked away on that island. Yes, we wouldn't exactly. miss them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We're not talking about yeah. you, Bob, in marketing over there. I know you're listening thinking that we're talking about you. We're not. We're not. You're the one good guy. I don't know who Bob is, but I just throw <laughs> yeah. your name out there. Wouldn't that be funny if there actually was some guy named Bob who was in marketing who's listening to the podcast right now being like, wait, are they really talking about uh, me? Hi, Bob. <laughs> We've just gaslit somebody. <laughs> I think one of these weeks we should try to um, just talk about good men. Yes. If we can find yes. enough to talk about. Yes, I'm sure I know well, one. We're talking about Black Panther, which I think is, is Phil. That is true. That is a good point. So... All right. Well, another person that I want to ship off to Garbage Island is Jeffrey Tambor, who was fired officially 
from Transparent this week after a lot of harassment allegations came up from the set of that show. He, the show was not canceled. It's going to continue without him, which will be interesting since he's like the lead. I wonder if they're just going to replace him or... That's that's actually an interesting point, maybe. I mean, they could just put in another actor, like, and they they've done that before on TV shows. So just not say anything, just replace him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, Dad looks different. <laughs> you know? Pull a Darren. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, anybody? Do any of you watch Transparent or? Are you I do not. Invested I watched. In this? I watched the first season. I mean, I I have problems with that show. I actually, he was one of the best parts of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, he gave a great performance and it was very, it's very, I, I mean, it's, it's sad that he behaved in that way and that this is something that has to happen, um, because he actually is very good on it, but, uh, yeah, it's a good show. It's, um, I haven't watched the recent seasons. The, the biggest problem I had with it was that the kids. Oh my were, gosh, they're awful. Yeah. Are just terrible people. And I was annoyed every time they were on screen. So, so, so I'm sort of like, well, now there's no one that I like on that show mm-hmm. at all. Exactly. And that's why I, because I had tried to watch it. I gave it a couple of episodes and I was just like, I cannot stand these people to the point where I just, no, I'm done. So, and it had, you're right. It had nothing to do with him. So, I mean, it's too bad that this happened, but at the same time, like garbage people got to go. Yeah. We're not putting up with this anymore. So he is out. All right. Let's move on from garbage people. That is the quickest garbage people segment I think we've wow. ever the had. Congratulations, of Citizen Dame. <laughs> Good job for not getting caught, Hollywood, this week. Good job. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so sad how true that statement is. It's like we're all waiting. <laughs> we're waiting to find out what the next one is because the last time we were just like, "Hey guys, no garbage people." Kevin Spacey happens. So <laughs> yeah. boom, Kevin Spacey. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. It's true. Someone who is not a garbage person, speaking of decent men, we've got a newly single one, ladies. Justin Thoreau is back on the market. <laughs> I would like to feel like we wish this into existence, or at least I did. <laughs> and then, I like, still hardly know who Justin Thoreau is. So. Oh, oh my you, goodness. You know, when you I come down to New York, out. I will bring movies, and I will... I will bring the first season of The Leftovers. And, well, like, the pro- okay, no, you have to watch The Leftovers to really yeah. like him. Because in a lot of movies, he plays a terrible person. Like in American Psycho, he's a bad guy. In The Girl on the Train, he's a bad guy. So I was going to say, you gotta hot, watch the hot, leftovers. hotter. Oh, okay, yeah, totally you, hot. But in, but in, in order to highness, love him, <laughs> yeah, but in order to love him, you need to watch him in The Leftovers. Yeah, you, you do. It, just, yeah. just watch, mm-hmm. just sweatpants that's all i got that's all i can spit out of my mouth <laughs> and no shirt mm-hmm. it's amazing no shirt. Uh, but yeah oh. we, i'd like to think that we I, I we might have had something to do with this i don't know <laughs> he totally listens he, and he's he like, read my what i, gotta, I did for I gotta, love gotta. article and was like what have i been doing with my life i need to get divorced it's true. <laughs> <laughs> sorry jen <Exactly>. sorry <laughs> are we I'm just kidding. <laughs> She'll be fine, okay? She She's will beautiful. be fine. She's got, like, a crap ton of money. There will be dudes lining up. Speaking of Jen, I thought there was a great tweet I saw online somewhere. Somebody basically goes, why are we feeling so bad for her? She's, you know, she's rich, she's gorgeous, and she's had carnal knowledge of a huge number of gorgeous men. <laughs> she's well, essentially, if we could, ba- if we could 
classify this because society can't. She's essentially a pre-Amal George Clooney, just in female form. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, and that's so, the thing. It's like, what happened with her and Brad Pitt really sucked for her and was awful. But I mean, we don't know what happened with her and Justin. It sounds like, I mean, you never know how these things are, but it sounds like it was pretty amicable. They're just like, hey, yeah. our lives are going in different directions. It's time to do other things now and other people. So. As- yeah, there, there's, there doesn't appear to be any of the nastiness that exactly. uh, went with, with everything that happened. It depends on what that. gossip site you read. Um, I, read a, I read a couple <laughs> of them. So let's just say I knew Justin Thoreau was a man whore before this. So I'm just thinking <laughs> he's free. He can go be a man whore with whoever he wants now. And I am not holding my hand up in the air right now. Um, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, okay? I support you. Us. Take, you take a man like that, you use it, and then you put him back out to pasture for exactly, other people to enjoy. Exactly, exactly. It's like a, it's like a great library book, okay? Oh my God, we are going to get mail. Oh my gosh. Is that M-A-I-L or M-A-L-E? <laughs> oh, you know. People, people are like these. They hate, they hate men, but they also want to objectify men. Oh my god, we're the worst. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's so much fun to be us. I, this, is, this is probably the funnest episode we've had in thirty episodes, people. Okay. I know it's great. I love it. Well, speaking of objectification, let's talk about Fifty Shades some more. Oh Ooh. god. Do we have? We to? went from happiness and joy to vomit in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, well, and I have not watched these, so darn, I can't participate in this oh, discussion. Oh, shut it, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the first one was like, oh my gosh, no. Oh, well, no. if you've seen the so, first one, you can definitely have an opinion. Yeah, true. well, I definitely yeah. do have an opinion. Um, but yeah, so there's been some debate on the Fifty Shades front. Some people are saying that this is really tone deaf in the Me Too movement. Other people are saying this is a celebration of the Me Too movement. Who wants to start? I guess I will, because I wrote one of the articles that we're using. Um, so, yeah, everybody seems to have an opinion on Fifty Shades Freed. And I don't know why, out of all the movies, maybe because it's the last one, we keep trying to argue something. Um, so, Variety wrote this article that was written by a female that pretty much said that Fifty Shades Free is about this fantasy about consent and how that can be sexy and I was like no uh, it's written by Amy Nicholson who I usually in love um and she wrote this whole this whole piece for Variety about how it's an ode to the idea of consent just because he seems to imply that that the movie is letting Christian make give Anna choice in the matter <laughs> I disagreed wholeheartedly with this. Um, And then there was another article that was put out by Scott Mendelson at Forbes that said that Me Too, or that that Fifty Shades Freed is the perfect film for the Me Too and Time's Up movement because it harkens back to old romantic literature and it's totally this consensual romance where the woman is empowered and the man is, is... you know, objectified and allowed to be just the guy who's less interesting. And then Time had a review um, that came out written by Stephanie um, Zacharek 
that said that it's a guilty pleasure film and that most films that are aimed at women are considered guilty pleasures um, and that we should we shouldn't criticize them. And then I wrote an article in between all of this for Hollywood Reporter <laughs> that pretty much said that Fifty Shades Freed is a horrible film for the Me Too and Time's Up movement uh, because it labels manipulation and coercion and dominance into acceptable and inappropriate when they're both horrible. So let's break those things down. <laughs> the whole concept of like female films being considered guilty pleasures and how they're supposedly criticized harsher than other movies has merit. I think out of all of this, yes. we can agree yeah. that, that romantic films aimed at women are often maligned just for existing more than anything else. Oh, totally, yeah. Well, and, the, and this has been true for romantic literature, also for romance novels, which I think that The Fifty Shades obviously feeds into that. When it first came out, it was like this thing that everybody was reading and that at the same time everybody was making fun of. And for good reason. It's a, they're, they're terribly written. And there are all kinds of problems with those books. But it's interesting that the, the major thing that has been latched onto in terms of the derisiveness is that what people are deriding are these female fantasies, whether or not they're positive fantasies or negative ones. They're just like, oh, ha ha, look, women think about sex. Right. And, yeah. and, <laughs> and I think that considering I just watched every Adrian Lyne film a couple weeks ago for a, a film uh, article... Fifty Shades does get some props for having actual sex scenes in a filmic landscape where sex is not actually shown with any amount of, like, I'm mm -hmm. going to use a poor choice of words, depth. Because, because most <laughs> movies now, when you see sex, it's very brief. We've kind of returned to this weird kind of Puritan limbo when it comes to showing sex on screen. It doesn't happen often. Right. And so I will give the movie credit for that. But then you get to these other articles, specifically looking at Fifty Shades in the Me Too movement. We, these movies started several years ago, and the last one came out last year, before the Me Too, the Weinstein allegations, all that came out. This is the first Fifty Shades, and the last Fifty Shades, I hope to God, that plays during this time of, of quote-unquote enlightenment about what women should have to endure. My article that I wrote was saying how I had a big issue with the movie situates and if you want to know spoilers fast forward but honestly who cares um the movie situates <laughs> this fact that Christian Grey and Jack Hyde who is the villain are the same man they grew up in the same foster system and like there's even a point where Christian says like that could have been me I could have been poor and an asshole uh, mostly an asshole but also poor <laughs> he's just a rich asshole um and, and it's, an it's up to Anna who says, you know, you're not that guy. And I'm like, wait, girl, why, what makes him not that guy? And that was kind of my, my argument was that the Jack Hyde character, Christian Grey is the worst. He should have been brought up on sexual harassment charges in the second film. He buys Anna's company, the company she works at, buys it outright. So he is her superior. He is the superior of Jack Hyde. He is everyone's superior. And so when Jack Hyde sexually harasses her in the second movie and she tells Christian, Christian gets him fired. And I was like, oh, that is a conflict of interest. So in this movie, what does Jack Hyde do? He says, well, Anna tried to hit on him. He said no. And then her boyfriend fired me. 
And I was like, you should have kind of seen all this coming when you bought her fucking company. Mm. And, and my issue was, is what makes her dating the ultimate boss different from dating the boss that's, you know, in her office every day? There's not. The movie perpetuates this idea of what appropriate inter-office dating looks like, for starters. <laughs> and also situates this concept that if you're dating a guy, Jack Hyde, the only reason he is the villain in this movie, I argued, is that what he does is illegal in a court of law, by law. So kidnapping, keep in mind, he's never brought up on charges of sexual harassment, sexual misconduct, even though you find out that he's created like sex tapes without women's consent and all of this. He is brought up on the legal stuff, kidnapping, um, extortion, like arson, burning down a fucking building. <laughs> And, and my whole thing was, is I was like, I felt that was really dangerous that it's saying that the wrong coercion, the, the, the coercion that's the worst of the worst, the women should be afraid of, is only the stuff that's illegal, that's dangerous, that's violent. Christian stuff, which is more emotional and more pervasive, and it's also benefiting you financially, is okay. It's acceptable when neither one of them is acceptable. Scott Mendelson disagrees with all of what I'm saying. <laughs> Kim, you saw this last movie. What did you think? I, uh, I had problems with it. Going into it, I was, you know, reading through these three articles. And, and I was, I, and I think it was the Mendelssohn article where he is talking about just how, you know, free Anna is to do all of this and how she doesn't have to worry about revenge or you know, worry about her career, worry about anything. All I could think about was Christian owns your company. If she, she has, she is automatically in a power, you know, he is her superior in every sense. If they have a messy breakup, I could very well see that rich asshole letting her go. <laughs> well, keep in mind, I mean, it's not just the, the company thing is the apotheosis. There's also a guy that knows what's on her cell phone, knows what's on her email, knows... Oh, he's the ultimate. Yeah. yeah. He's the ultimate controlling. It's when she... All three of these articles go refer to her taking her top off in the first scene. He, as soon as he comes back and sees her without her top on, he pulls, they, they leave the beach. Yeah, he, like, so literally, yeah, they're she, in France, she, in a nude beach, and he, like, wants her to wear a burqa. <laughs> I, it's, and she takes it off while he's gone. He comes back, finds her topless, and it's like, okay, we're leaving yeah. now. And, and He punishes her like a child. And there's a whole, and, and again, the kind of thing that I couldn't get over in this last film was that he uses the BDSM stuff that they're doing as punishment in one scene for, for her quote-unquote defying him by going out with her friend that was truly frightening I yeah thought. that and, was and my, my truly argument was i was like so jack hyde is a horrible character because he's a kidnapper because he's uh, hurting christian's family specifically but christian is not horrible because he's just using sex as a weapon and that's not you know that's not legally a, a problem so I, I felt like in well she signed a contract she oh, knew what she was God. getting herself into <laughs> uh, and see that's the other thing is I was like so contracts again this this era of trying to tell women like you don't have to take harassment from somebody who you fear your job is in jeopardy I was like really Christian doesn't want her to work 
he wants her job to be wa- being around for him and waiting for him to be Mrs. Gray. Yes. That and is yeah. her job. I was just sitting there, and, and keep in mind, this is an issue perpetuated by the women too. So like, Ariel Cabell plays um, the the interior de- decorator, um, and because E. L. James finds all women threatening, especially blonde women, she this woman who again is supposed to be a professional doing a job comes to their house to show them plans for this house that she's going to build them and she's like an inch away from jumping on the table and opening her legs in front of christian gray <laughs> and i was just like okay so your argument is is that in a professional setting around this guy nobody is able to like control themselves uh, really when he's got no charisma in the role at all yeah exactly well that's, that's jamie dornan is just one of the most boring people that's ever existed <laughs> that, that's a problem in and of itself i I do think that this stuff is interesting, though, in, in terms of the response that is happening right now. So you've got all of these articles that are, you know, oh, this is this is about consent. This is a, should be a celebration of the Me Too era. This is the perfect film for it. And it's interesting because if you look back at some of the responses when the first two films came out and when the books came out, there's all of this discussion about how this is about coercion. This is about stalking. He basically stalks her, yeah. even though she she leaves him at one point. You know, the, the whole relationship has been discussed constantly as being this very problematic and toxic relationship and a toxic depiction of BDSM. And now suddenly it's like we, we've swung back too far in the other direction. We're being like, oh, but wait a minute, it's a female fantasy, therefore it's, it's actually about the Me Too era. It's actually about women having control of sexual relationships when quite obviously it isn't. So it's a weird swing that is going on right now it's like suddenly we've decided that this is no longer about coercion well in in the article that i wrote i i said well we're coming to the point now where we're not looking at black and white we're looking at okay to say it the shades of gray the the the, (laughs) uh the you know what differentiates rape from a mixed signal you know and and kind of what i was watching when i was watching 50 shades freed and and thinking about this piece was that the conversation we had where I was like you know you know Harvey Weinstein you know you have your 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 thoughts about him based on how he looks and based on his actions there's no denying what rape is in his in those instances with him then you have Aziz Ansari where your mm-hmm. people are mm-hmm. constantly going back about was that just a bad date was that a mixed signal did he assault her and my whole thing is that Fifty Shades Freed only sees things in black and white so Jack Hyde is evil only because his his things are illegal and they're violent and they're dangerous and they're hurtful to Anastasia's mortality. You know, you can't have a lot of fun with her if she's dead type of thing. Whereas Christian is that true mixed signal. You don't know, you know, you know it's wrong, but because the law hasn't caught up with, you know, what he's doing and because there's so much discussion about, I can tell you, my mom and I argued about Fifty Shades of Grey. She was like, you know, well, she chooses to be there. She chooses to stay. And I was like, the fact that you think, you know, we were going on and on about the generational distinctions of of how this whole thing plays out. That is the more compelling story. And Mm -hmm. these movies are really missing the point on that. Well, and that whole thing, sorry, but that whole thing about she chooses to stay, a lot of women in abusive relationships choose to stay for a lot That's of reasons. That's what I yeah. told That doesn't yes. make it okay. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think my, mom's, yeah, my yeah, mom it's... goes back to, again, the generational thing. He's not hitting her. He's not, you know, slapping her out of her dropping dinner, her doing something very simple. You know, it's it's more 
oh, it, it's more insidious than that. And I think that, you know, our age, we, we know the changing face of abuse and how that works. Whereas, you know, there's still, not that my mother is old, she will kill me if she thinks that I'm saying she's older. But, you know, I mean, the generation coming up, you know, in the, the 50s, 60s, early 70s, you know, that they interpret abusive relationship as like, you're getting your ass beat every day. And that's not what it is. Well, I have had I'm, I've had plenty of boomers talking about the Weinstein situation, each of these situations going, well, why did these women stay in their jobs? You know, why did they stay? It's that ugh, it, this discussion makes me so angry. <laughs> what people don't understand, a lot of people is that emotional and psychological abuse is so much more yeah. damaging long term. Oh, I can I can completely. Yes. Yeah, it's um it's and the thing is we're, we're in a period of media where we could really address those issues in film. Even films like 50 Shades of Grey could actually deal with with those problems of like things that are abuse but that don't look like, you know, black and white abuse. Um, so that isn't, isn't physical, but is emotional, is mental, is psychological. And, and we have a chance in, in the Me Too era to actually address those things, which haven't been addressed that much in film in a really complex way. And it's, it's a shame that like, we're doubling down on this, like, well, because this was a book that was written by a woman and that this is supposedly told from the point of view of a woman who, I mean, essentially Anastasia Seale has no idea that she's being abused. She's just like, oh, well, this is a normal thing. Well, wasn't that her and it's, first sexual relationship? Yeah, too? yes. I don't yeah, remember. and it's being it's so. being sold it's being sold as this romance. It's being sold as this like, oh, isn't this wonderful? This guy who basically runs your life and does everything for you, and in return, you just obey him no matter what he asks you for, and that's all that it is. Don't you uh, dare roll your eyes. Don't you dare. Yeah, no, no, exactly. And so it's being presented as this wonderful romantic thing, which is so regressive, which is so like 19, you know, talk about 1950s. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's like a posher version of Streetcar Named Desire, which actually did criticize men like that. And they had the good God's grace to get Marlon Brando. Back when he was hot, okay? Like, dude, yeah, exactly. Marlon Brando's corpse would have more charisma than Jamie Dornan at this point. Well, and, and that's one of the most disturbing things about A Streetcar Named Desire is that as a woman, you're sitting there going like, oh my God, he's so hot. Oh my God, he's terrible. And and that that dynamic is really interesting. And the film actually, you know, deals with that uh, and deals with that attraction, you know, which is completely on the opposite side of something like Fifty Shades of Grey, which is like, we're going to really try to work this around into a romance when it's quite obviously an abusive relationship. So it's, but it's interesting that there are so many critics, male and female, that are responding to it as this is, this is for the Me Too era. It's like, you are all missing the fucking point. Yeah, I mean, I'm concerned about the women who are defending it, but the men who are trying to say this, it's like, first of all, I don't think that it's right for someone who's not part of a specific group to, to tell other people how to feel about something. Right. You know, and we'll talk about that in relation to Black Panther in just a minute, but... You know, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying they can't have an opinion, but don't tell us how to feel and how to interpret this. It goes you know? right back to that guy who said that, you know, who wrote that article about Lady Bird. We argued about Lady Bird being abusive. 
And, uh, uh, right. you know, you had a man. <laughs> but this isn't. Yeah, you had a man trying to tell us Lady Bird is abusive with the line, imagine you're a mother. And I was like, wait, nope, this guy's already talking out his ass, okay? And, but this, <laughs> you want to make the argument. But this movie's feminist, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <sighs> I feel like I'm in the upside down. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, the and the Forbes article is is insulting just for that. It's like it, it really does read like a guy going like, "Oh, oh, I'm going to show how much of a feminist I am." And he's just like, "Dude, you are way beyond anything that we want to hear from a man like you." Like seriously. Yeah. Look at how woke I am. I thought am. it was really funny that uh this came, his piece came out right the day after mine on Hollywood Reporter, and I I retweeted it and was like, <laughs> "Scott, did you read my article and then you wrote this and he didn't answer he follows me on twitter too so yeah <laughs> well it do, it does seem like it 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 does feel disingenuous because it feels like hey this movie's popular a lot of people like it i'm going to find a way to justify for them why it's yeah. okay for them to like yeah, it yeah someone needs yeah. to be the contrarian yeah so well, not a lot of people do like it because it's currently tracking to be the lowest grossing of the three by a lot. So oh. that's just, you know. It, well, now, I, it's, I, I'm, now it's all over and uh, Dakota Johnson can, you know, go on with her life. Yes, free Dakota. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I remember the Oscars a couple years ago right after the first one had come out. And she and her mom were on the red carpet. And some interviewer, I can't remember who it was asked melanie griffith like have you seen <laughs> have you seen your daughter's new movie are you so proud of her and she just looked like are you psycho why would i watch my daughter do that on screen <laughs> <laughs> well then the question i think would have been did you watch a bigger splash because your daughter was also naked in that movie as well but that was a better movie well it's it's a totally different type it's true yeah 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 anyway all right well let's move on to other better things so this week, this weekend, in theaters today, is this movie that has had a little bit of buzz up to now. A few people have been talking about it, I guess. They're a little bit excited, whatever. Um, of course, we're talking about Black Panther, which, um, Lauren, you have not seen it, correct? No, I have not. I'm sorry. Oh, man. I hope you get to go this weekend. Kim and Kristen, you both Hell saw it. yes, I did. All right. Well, I mean, we don't really need to get into what it is, because I think everybody knows what it is. Let's talk about how we feel about it. Let's start off just really quickly. Let's each just kind of give a rundown of our basic thoughts, and then we'll talk more specifically about the movie with no spoilers, and then just in general, what what this film means, what we hope it does, that kind of thing. So... Kristen, why don't you start? Okay, so if you read my Marvel top five, I am not a Marvel person at all. Um, I had, I had <laughs> to cheat to get five. Um, and so had we done the five after I saw Black Panther, Black Panther would have been one. Because so far it's probably my, my favorite Marvel movie. And that's not purely out of personal bias, although... It kind of helped, um, but I, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. I loved the, the world building. I loved the, the emphasis on, like, cultural tradition and mythology. Ryan Coogler is three for three for me right now. He's he's made three movies that I love, and I loved everything. Well, he's made three movies, and they've all they been amazing. They have all been amazing. So. <laughs> um, I, I thought the, the female cast was amazing. Costumes. Chadwick Boseman's great. 
pretty sure I'd sell my soul to Satan for Michael B. Jordan at this point. And yeah, I I loved everything about it. Kim? I was not sure what, you know, I was not sure what I was kind of walking into to start because, I mean, if, you know, I'll get hate mail for saying this. I was not a big fan of Civil War, and I am not really well versed on the Black Panther universe. So, you know, I was just kind of seeing what, you know, this was my first real ex exposure to this. I loved it. I mean, that the world building was really the first thing I picked up on just how they got everything to work together from those costumes and those vis those visuals were absolutely insane. And they took that from being, you know, the Wakanda universe from being such a tiny corner of Marvel to just amazing looking, you know, completely fleshed out, beautiful, well done, Blair hit it out of the park. Um, female cast was probably my, other than that, my favorite element. Those women sold it and they are probably, they, I'm done with all this talk of, you know, the DC sirens, you know, spinoffs. I want these, I want these girls in something. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So I, love Marvel. I love the Marvel films. I absolutely loved Civil War. In fact, I put that in my five, which I did not rank because I just can't. But <laughs> but uh, I so I was really excited about this because I loved the way the character of Black Panther was introduced in Civil War. And I was super excited to see more of him and to learn more about him and about Wakanda, where he's from. And when I went into this, when it started, I was confused for good, like, probably the first half of the movie. I just was a little distracted because I kept trying to figure out where this fit in with Civil War because I thought that he'd already become the king when he joined the fight with the Avengers. And then I, it took me a while to realize, oh, wait, no, I think that this happens immediately after that ended, which it turned out you to be You literally correct. brought up the same complaint as our mutual friend, Terrence Johnson, when him and I talked Black Panther yesterday. And I said, <laughs> I will say to you what I said to him, I didn't see Civil War. I only see these Marvel movies every now and then. So I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Like, it wasn't even that big of a deal, but I was so distracted trying to figure it out that I didn't fully immerse myself into the film until probably about halfway through. But I fully enjoyed it. This movie is awesome. I loved it. The the like you guys said, the visuals are amazing. The entire cast is great. Everybody in this is fantastic. Ryan Coogler directs the shit out of this movie and he does an amazing job. It's it's just awesome from start to finish. I love the fact that the only two white guys in the movie are basically useless. <laughs> like it's awesome. I love it. But <laughs> but there's just so much to celebrate and like uh Lupita Nyong'o, Denai Guerrera and Letitia Wright are phenomenal. I love them all. Letitia Wright to me just stole the show. She's so yes. funny. She plays Chadwick Boseman, T'Challa's younger sister. And she's hilarious, and she's, she's brilliant, the cue and of this she's film. Great, so. There's a lot of fun Absolutely. comparisons in this movie. Um, <laughs> it's so true. But to bring up what you were saying about it connecting to Civil War, I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about this movie was that, you know, it's one of the few movies that I, and I mean, even, even we said this about Thor Ragnarok, we're slowly transitioning to this concept of truly letting some of these movies stand alone. You know, there are references to other movies in this film, but this felt like the first time that this the Marvel movies weren't rushing to hit 
a story beat that was going to pay off three movies down the line. You know, that, that people weren't trying, we weren't rushing this narrative to get certain things marked. It just was a movie first, and I, I enjoyed that. I mean, I don't know any other Marvel movie that could have stood on its own having its first half dominated by by a, a ceremony to transition power to somebody else. Um, it takes a while mm -hmm. for the plot to get going, and that can either be a benefit if you like that, or it can be a detriment. I mean, really, the only the only serious quibbles that I had were that some of the action scenes often felt like we were seeing the same scene three, two or three times, and that does happen with the the um, fight to transition power. Um, I was like, okay, well, we saw it done the first time with T'Challa and um, uh, Mbaku, who's played by Winston Duke, who is awesome in this movie. So that so when good. it finally does happen again with the villain and T'Challa, you're like, I kind of feel like I've seen this done better a little bit. And that's not the movie's fault, it's just, you know, the, the detriment of having those two scenes played against each other, but... I think the only thing that I would say to that is, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you, although those two scenes do have different purposes behind them. And I, I think the thing that probably would have made it better is just to shorten them a little bit. Not necessarily to take one out, because they're both important, but to just tighten it up a little, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, there was really not a whole lot I could complain about. This is a movie, I don't know, again, a Marvel movie where you could have had a woman use a wig as a weapon. Thought that was awesome. <laughs> that was so bad. I I have seen that <laughs> gif. Yes. One, one of the things I think <laughs> so we all fantastic. agree. I mean, Ruth Carter does the costumes for this, and I don't like talking Academy Awards for next year at this point. But I mean, damn, those costumes are award worthy. They're so great. That's oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And what definitely. I loved, and we can we can talk more about the female characters, which I comes back around to your point about Shuri, is I loved how it was function first and not fashion first. So like the women are all fighting mm -hmm. in clothing that's functional and that isn't reliant on how it looks, you know, it, it, I loved that element. And the coats, there were so many good coats in this movie. There is literally- <laughs> Oh my gosh, Kristen, that that coat that Killmonger wears when he's, oh, I don't want to spoil anything, but holy it's shit. It's not a coat, it is a floor length knit sweater. and. Holy shit! I was I looked at my friend. And I was like, I I'm tr pretty sure I died. <laughs> I died. There will not be a better coat on screen ever in the history. Army Hammer could come out buck naked wearing a coat, and I'd be like, nope, nope, sorry, dude, it's done. You lost. Okay, Michael B wins. So I'm sorry. Um, oh yeah. man. Oh man. Let well, let me I just want. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I just wanted to jump back because what Kristen, you said kind of at the more at the beginning of that was I, I would have liked to have seen this film stand more on its own. I felt that, and obviously not giving away any spoilers, so this is a trick, the stuff that was in there simply because it tied into the other Marvel movies and that stuff they needed to wrap up. I, I felt like that weighed down that first act a bit. Once they took care of those miscellaneous plot points that they needed to get rid of, I thought it was absolutely amazing. Because I, I, I kind of felt that first maybe act and a half or so played a bit slower. And, you know, he they would have, having to take care of that stuff set up earlier in the films that they had to wrap up, slowed them down a bit. If they could have gotten going with and just stood on their own 
and you know this is nitpicky point because it, they're tied into such a big franchise but yeah they would have it could have been there's so a amazing. character that is introduced in the beginning that ends up being killed very quickly and i was sitting there thinking well that just seemed unnecessary that well, that was purely that was purely to connect the two tie-in. the two you know yeah continuity. The continuity. So I didn't really care for that. I have to ask Karen because as soon as I saw him, I said, "Oh, Karen!" As soon as I heard his voice, I was. How like, How did you is. feel about Sterling K. Brown having having a moment in this film? He has two moments in this him. film. <laughs> I love him <laughs> so much. <laughs> it's just, you know, I don't want to say much about his character or how much he appears, but he just brings joy to my heart. I saw someone on Twitter earlier, it was either this morning or last night, um, listed in order her opinion of the hottest stars in the movie, and she had Sterling ranked number 11 out of 11, but then she goes... But when Sterling K. Brown is the least hot member of your cast, <laughs> yeah, and, you know that cast is can fire. Can we just say Sterling K. Brown is like Julie is like Demi Moore and Julia Roberts? Like he has the ability to like have a single like delicate man tear at a time, and you're just like, my heart is breaking right now, and I don't know what to do about I this. <laughs> I know. And this is why I cry every week on this is uh, because he's so beautiful. Yeah, I, I, you, you uh, brought I up, you brought up Letitia Wright, um, and I thought she was so fun as a Shuri. Uh-huh. She could have been, and I wrote, and I, I was saying this when I was talking about the movie. This movie could have so easily fallen into convention. So like, Shuri could have easily been the smart ass, tech savvy little kid, a la Lex in Jurassic Park. And she's not. Right. She's actually got personality. You know, Nakia, who is Lupita Nyong'o's character, could have been the girlfriend. You know, the girl that messes up T'Challa's head and, like, plays mind games with him. And she's not. She is a woman with her own missions in life and her own goals. She's a spy. And I, I want a movie about her character. Even even mm-hmm. um, Okoye, who is uh, Denai Guerrera's character... You know, she's the leader of the military, the all-female military, and she has a subplot with Daniel Kalula's character that is just fantastic because you are so used to seeing that relationship play out where the woman is the one who has to yield. And that's not what happens in this movie. Um, And I, I just love it. What I love about the women is that they all have the choice. Yes. None of them are forced into any situation. None of them are forced into what ultimately happens to them. Every one of them chooses whether she's going to be part of this fight or not. And I love that. And it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, man, it's so awesome to see this situation where they get to have agency over themselves. And it's fantastic. Well, I think, you know, people were bringing up that Black Panther is the most politically charged of the MCU. And it's kind of hard not to agree with that because the movie has this message of of ambiguity to it that not every not every political decision comes from this this concept of again black and white trying you know very easily solved so like there's a whole element of the movie that opens with you know you, you find out Wakanda pretends to be this third world country and they're not they're incredibly technologically advanced but T'Challa doesn't want to share that 
um, because, you know, there's this fear of colonization. Again, going back to what Thor Ragnarok was, was dealing with. And that's what makes the Killmonger villain so fascinating because his logic makes sense. He's like, dude, we have a responsibility to redistribute the wealth and the power to people who have for centuries been unable to have those advantages. And you're left to, to decide who is right. And even with um, Okoye's character, you know, she makes decisions based on love of country. Even if you don't necessarily agree with the political regime that's in power, you know, how do you support your country? And I think those are all very, very poignant for the times. Yeah, well, and that's what's cool about Killmonger's storyline. It's like, we finally have a... Well, I thought Hela was a great villain, too, uh, in Thor Ragnarok. But yeah, she, it's she's nice great. to see a villain where you're like, I mean, I I don't necessarily agree with I, him, but I, I felt see maybe point. I was biased, and then I started being like, <laughs> no, I think he actually has a point. It's not just me being seduced <laughs> by Michael B. Jordan's hotness. <laughs> Exactly. And it's like, wow, you know, I mean, it it makes it really interesting. I felt the same way about Hela, too. Look at that. You've got a woman and then you've got an African-American man. If you "Hmm." thought that the if you thought that in X-Men first class, when everybody was drawing comparisons to how, oh, Professor X and Magneto are Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Watch a movie where there's actually black people at the center of that dichotomy. And then you'll be like, oh, okay, there you go. Uh, yeah, and I think that that comparison here in regards to Black Panther is very apt. Yeah, I, I do want to so. say, I will say, because I haven't been, I haven't gone on a full tilt like, I love Michael B. Jordan in this movie, um, but I will tell you, <laughs> I have never overly embarrassed myself in a screening, because I'm a fucking professional, but I was writing notes during the, the review, or during the movie, and my friend slapped me while I was doing something, she's all look up right now. And I looked up, Michael B. Jordan's having his whole speech and he's taking his shirt off at the same time. And I like <laughs> went to lean back in my reclining chair and like revel in it. And I ended up throwing my pen into the aisle. <laughs> and my friend and I just looked at it and she's like, leave it there. <laughs> so I left it there. Um, but yeah, this, this, it, I, yeah ruined my whole professional demeanor because I loved him <laughs> in this movie and there is a line I'm letting people f- try to figure out what it is where I was I, there's a line he says in this movie and it's an evil line but it's a line nonetheless where I looked at my friend I was like yeah that's a panty dropper like seriously he needs to go up and start telling that to women and I would be like putty in his hands so you guys can all try to figure out what it was but yeah it, it happens and it's hot as shit Whew, mm-hmm. There you go. That's my Michael B. Jordan rant for. That's what hap- That's how you become number two. <laughs> Poor Oscar Isaac was like sitting there all happy on number two on my list for a second, and then he got like punted hard down to three. Um, so <laughs> maybe annihilation next week will help. I don't know. But we gotta talk about Chadwick Boseman because he's really good in this movie too. He's. I'm so used to him playing people that we know. Like he's played Jackie Robinson. He's played. Thurgood Marshall. He played Thurgood and Marshall. And he's played mm-hmm. James Brown. Like, I'm so used to him playing important black men in our history that I think it often limits his ability to act because you're so used to comparing him to the real figure. Here, he actually has a character that he gets to make his own. And damn, does he succeed because 
the character is sympathetic. The character is a little cocky at times. The character is um, a bit of a child. Like I love when he punches the um, suit and it, it, he gets knocked <laughs> back and he tells Shuri to delete the footage on her phone. Yeah. Um, you know, he feels great. like a human. He so feels funny. like a brother, like a, like a king, like a son, like a friend. You know, he doesn't feel like this kind of combination of Marvel characteristics. Did he freeze? He froze. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He's so great. He's, first of all, he's really adorable. Just, I mean, he's a gorgeous man. And he, I love his overall personality. I love what he does with T'Challa. I totally agree with everything you just said. Plus, dude, he's a badass. He can fight. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. There, the fight scenes in this, I know, I know that, um, what is it? Ryan Coogler said that he was trying to um, harken back to Creed with the fight scenes. I am all for fight scenes. They came across. I am all for fight scenes where you can see people. Like, it's not just, like, at over editing yes. like you can actually see hits land mm-hmm. yeah absolutely it had a very it, naturalistic feel to it and that mm-hmm. i mean hearkening to you know you don't leaving out i mean especially in the first sequence right after the coronation scene you know they there was no frills no you know no panache no iron man suits no beefed up captain america scenes and it looked great Mm-hmm. And can I just say really quick, that is seriously, this movie has one of the best car chase yes. scenes I've ever yes. seen. Holy I shit. I love that. Everybody is, oh my like, gosh. I, this is a movie where it has car surfing and a, an <laughs> army of rhinoceros, or rhinoceri, whatever the plural form is. Like, dude. Rhinoceroses. Dude, I'm in. Okay, and again, function and fashion coats are used as shields in this movie i am not even kidding it is amazing to see somebody <laughs> there was one part where they put up all those shields and i was like are those fleece blankets they look exactly. like stadium somebody, blankets. <laughs> somebody was like what does Kristen love she loves ways that you can use a coat as a weapon and ways that you can make coats incredibly hot and both are achieved in this film so true um, well, I want to give a couple of numbers. Uh, first of all, Box Office Mojo has estimated that over the four-day weekend, because, of course, Monday's a holiday, President's Day, um, they they estimate that it will earn over $200 million, and that in the three days, Friday to Sunday, it will earn about $185 million, which puts it just out of the top five for all-time openers. I still think that's low. I think it's going to hit 200 million this weekend. That would be great. It was it was actually really, really funny because um the newspaper in town cuz Ryan Coogler's from um Oakland, this is a Sac State alum, so he went to the same college as I did. Um, <laughs> but one of the local um high schools here in Sacramento is trying to get Ryan Coogler to come down this weekend and watch the film with I guess a, a bunch of like underprivileged and, and children that wanted to go see it and I know there's been a lot of um GoFundMe's to get yeah, children. there's actually, if you go to hashtag Black Panther Challenge, you can find a whole list. There's over 400 nationwide yeah. where you can donate. Mm-hmm. They said that, I guess they were in touch with Ryan Coogler's people, and they said that he was probably too busy to come out this weekend, but that he would consider um, at some point. And I was like, that's really cool. You know, the, the, it's the same thing that happened with Wonder Woman with trying to get, you know, young girls access to this. And I think if you're on Twitter right now, Brie Larson is actually trying to get people tickets. 
Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, for people who want Octavia to go see Octavia Spencer bought out a, uh, a theater in, I want to say Mississippi. Awesome. Um, yeah, to send kids. So it's amazing. That is fantastic. I was surprised. I was looking at our screenings last night, and this is, you know, I mean, a AMC Megaplex, but in suburban Denver, you know, pr- relatively quiet. There was 20, I think I counted 22 screenings last night between 7 p.m. and 11 p.m. The volume is insane. According to Deadline, Thursday night previews just last night only $25.2 million. Second best Thursday ever for a Marvel movie after Avengers Age of Ultron. Which that surprises had 27.7. me. <laughs> but Age of Ultron did not come out in February. That came out in May. Oh, true. Very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's just the Thursday night. Kids had school today, uh, Friday. So... Um, yeah, that's why I think this movie... I don't think people understand how much money this movie's going to make. Oh, if it did that on a Thursday school night, it's going to be crazy this holiday weekend. So, And it deserves it. I recommend everybody go to Michael B. Jordan's Instagram because he like posts videos of him singing karaoke and it's dor- darling and <laughs> I love him. And yeah, if he is looking for a girlfriend, I am available <laughs> I was, I was watching this with a friend, and my friend turns to me after the movie and goes, I wonder how that person got that makeup job to be the person to just glue, oh. you know, the scars onto Michael B. Jordan's Hell chest. yes. <laughs> I know, like, two people that have been near him this week, and I was like, you guys, you really need to put in, like, a good word for me, because, come on, come on. If, if Citizen Dane can get... A huge celebrity divorce started. Like, I'm pretty sure we could get me Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> all work hard, okay? <laughs> uh, Lauren, when are you going to see this movie? We need you to talk about yes. it. Yes. Uh, uh, probably on Monday. I have promised a friend of mine that uh, we would go, and we were talking about when we were going to go. It's def- definitely next week, but almost certainly on Monday because she has, she has work off. I mean, I'm sorry. I like I I didn't get any screening invites, and I was not going to haul myself to a late night screening on a Thursday. So that's the way it is. God damn! You I'm excited man. to see it. I'm really excited to see it. Like this is this is one of those that I've actually been like, man, I'm I'm actually excited about a Marvel movie. You this know, is amazing. that's awesome. I think this is one of those few movies where you can't overhype it. You know, like, Uh, I don't think that the hype is going to be like, oh, well, that wasn't what I was expecting. I think it's just going to be every bit as good as you think it is. And it's gotten such great response, you know, particularly from uh, from critics uh, who are people of color and from people just saying, like, this is this is amazing. It's amazing to see this representation on screen. It's a good film. It's fun. It's exciting. It's all of this stuff. You know, it's it's wonderful to to hear all of that. And I I certainly have very high expectations of it. And I I don't think I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah. Ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. That's down to ninety eight now. Damn. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there's always going to be someone who's got to ruin the party. Yeah, but. that's uh, that's awesome, and I and I hope. I mean, I live in New York, so I hope I I get to see it with a large audience of people that are really into it because that would be fun too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm um, I'm going again. I'm taking my friend on Monday. He's got he's got work off as well, and I told him I'm like, well, I don't care what you have planned, cancel it because I'm taking you to go see Black Panther. Part of it is biased. I need another fix, and part of it is it's just a damn good movie. <laughs> that you need to go see and yeah so there you go mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, and actually, Lauren, you brought up something else that I wanted to talk about in regards to the film, and that is the response from from critics that are people of color who have embraced this film for a lot of reasons. And the reason I want to talk about that is because I've also seen some really horrible, stupid, shitty things from people who are saying that it's not something they should celebrate because that's sending the wrong message. Like, what? what the f- yeah, like, <laughs> of course, they're white dudes. Of course, they're always oh, white Of course, dudes. yeah. <laughs> you know? But it's like, <laughs> I'm glad you guys are laughing because I just was mad and screamy when I saw that. But, like, I just, I, there's something so important about the, and this is where I was saying, like, I wanted to talk, you know, before when we were talking about how, telling people how to feel about something. This is like last year when what's his, James Cameron started saying that Wonder Woman was a step backward for women. It's like, why are you trying to tell me how to feel about how I'm being represented on the screen here? Yeah. You know, it just, oh, it makes me so mad. So that was where I was like, okay, I got to find a an, a good organization, a good GoFundMe, and I'm going to donate in one of these white dudes named. Yes. Like, couldn't figure out how to do that on GoFundMe, but I did make a donation. So, damn it, two kids are going to see that movie because, you know, I was motivated. So, well, there you, know, you go. And we talked about when Wonder Woman came out that it's so, it, it means so much to see yourself represented on screen. And women and people of color and a lot of a lot of different minorities have just not had that opportunity at the same level that white dudes have and Mm -hmm. for any white guy for any white person period to begrudge black people the chance to see themselves represented on screen in a in a decent strong heroic uh film like you know fuck you why why even if you even if you personally don't like the film or you don't get it there is no reason to begrudge that to any other people and you know small children who are going like hey I finally get to see myself represented as because because so often African characters and African American characters in films are you know if they're heroic they're people that are coming from really dire circumstances and are like rising above it and stuff like that and it's like and this film is actually celebrating at least the way that it's been portrayed it's celebrating African culture it's celebrating blackness and language and costume and all of that stuff. And why would you just be like, oh, you small children, you should not be enjoying this. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I I, can't. <laughs> it's because they've always seen themselves on screen. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They don't know what it feels like to not feel represented on screen because they've never had that. And, and it's like for once these white guys are like, oh, you're not showing me. Um, I'm angry now. How dare you not show me, you know? Yeah, I'm the useless character that has to sit in the background because I can't contribute to this fight. Yeah, just, just like, yeah. just sit or down. Or the first person to die. <laughs> sit down. It's other, pe- other people get a chance, you know? <laughs> exactly. It's not all about you. Bob. God. <laughs> Get it together. No, we like Bob. Bob is good. Oh, Bob's Bob is the good okay. One. Bob, Talk Bob about is the, the other Bob. Okay, <laughs> more than one yeah. of you. Yeah. Bob in accounting, not Bob in marketing. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Oh my gosh. If you want to just hate life, look at the six rotten reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. They are amazingly insipid. So. Um, let's talk about other happy things. I don't want to look at that anymore. But anyway, so yeah, this movie is going to make a billion dollars. That was what I said as soon as the credits started rolling. I said, this movie is going to make a billion dollars. And 
it deserves every penny. Did you say it like in a Dr. Evil voice? Because that would have been appropriate. (laughs) I didn't. But, you know, I'm sure it was implied. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, worldwide, the... There are only four, this is worldwide unadjusted, there are only four movies in the MCU to crack a billion dollars. Any guesses really? what they are? Avengers. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's number one. I'm going to say the first Iron Man? Nope. No. Okay. Uh-uh. S- uh, Winter Soldier, probably? Nope. No. Have two of the right characters, but the wrong movies. Civil War. Civil War. Uh-huh. Iron Man 3. And Age of Ultron. So Ooh, both Avengers gross. movies. God. Yeah. yeah, both Avengers, Iron Man 3, then Captain America Civil War. Fifth highest is Spider-Man Homecoming, which topped out at 880. So I think this will be the fifth film in the MCU to crack a billion dollars. So, and I am excited to see that happen. Any final thoughts on Black Panther? Michael B. Jordan is the hottest piece of ass to ever exist or that ever will exist. I'm going to tell Armie Hammer you said that. I know, and you know what? I'm going to tell him to and his you, face that she said that. And, yeah. and you know, next 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 week it's going to be it's going to be Oscar Isaac again because she's going to uh, see yeah, Annihilation. Yeah, that is true. Hopefully, hopefully, I'm just saying he's not working nearly as hard. Okay, and I watched his Kimmel thing, and all he did was talk about his baby, and I was like, I don't care. Talk about being hot. You're hot. I don't care about your baby. <sighs> Damn it, I, I, Oscar, just take your shirt off. Exactly. Just be hot and adorable. God, you have one job. Exactly. <laughs> Again, we're right. going to get, like, ripped on the... Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. There are other things people could complain about. So if they complain about us objectifying men, too bad. Point him to Washington. <laughs> well, it definitely proves that we do not hate men. So that's yeah. true. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, exactly. just so we don't. We think that some of you are hot. Yes, <laughs> right. And you now, need to not it's talk. Better if you just sit there and yeah, not talk, and we can just appreciate. Your, so, how many years of shut up and look pretty for us ladies? Okay, sometimes <laughs> all we want a, from you guys a couple Get thousand. In the kitchen and make us something delicious. Come on, <laughs> exactly. Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oscar Isaac, take off your shirt and, and make us some food. <laughs> yes! Yes! I'm okay with this. I watched fucking uh, guys, X-Men Sterling Apocalypse. Brown you owe me. my face. I'm still thinking about that. So. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, Karen's I'll got never us get beat over right there. Oh, Karen's got us I beat did. for the moment. Okay. Oh, man. He is so pretty. Although, I'm gonna be in LA, like, in the next two weeks. <laughs> in Beverly Hills, of all places. So, I really would like to see someone who's not Brett Fr- fucking Ratner this time, okay? <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Hey, you got to see Timmy. That's true. That's my... You got to talk to Timmy. My sweet so. baby angel, okay? <laughs> Who I don't objectify because I find it creepy. <laughs> <laughs> See, I am preparing myself. I'm going to Emerald City Comic Con at the end of the month, and David Tennant, who has been a number one on my list for so long, is going to be there. I intend. I'm joining you. I'm crashing that party. Oh my gosh. I I intend on (laughs) just drooling over him the entire weekend. (laughs) Oh, I adore him. Kim Kim is going to be with me at TCM too in April. So. She will see me in prime creepy stalker mode as I follow <laughs> certain TCM people that know of my affection for them. 
<laughs> Kim is traveling herself into the poorhouse. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out how to prime it so that I can get myself to that Fallout premiere. Because, oh man. Do it. My Tommy. Uh, it's going to happen. I'm making it happen. <laughs> All right. Oh. So, final thoughts. Go see Black Panther. Yes. It's amazing. Um, if you are a man and want us to appreciate you, shut up, sit in the corner with a beautiful coat on, and you'll be just fine. <laughs> yes. So, Go see um, Black that's... Panther a couple times and try to find the scene, try to find the line that Kristen threw her pen across. <laughs> For, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I just remembered last night, so uh, one of the guys from Award Circuit, we have like a email, like a text message chain, you know, and one of the guys, Mark, he texted out asking if it, if Black Panther was safe for him to take his kids to because he has two boys. And one of the other guys was like, no, because Michael B. Jordan shows his Jordan. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait, did I miss something? I gotta go watch this again. <laughs> there it goes. I can't go see this movie again. <laughs> I'm gonna start giggling. God <laughs> Who was it? Who was it? Was it? Was it? Sam. Fucking Sam. I'm going to send him a tweet and be like, I hate you. I'm surprised that line hasn't gotten more play. That is amazing. Give it time. More people have, I'm surprised more people haven't said that. Give it time. I will, I will have to tell you, I'll, I'll tell you guys off here because it was a really funny story. <laughs> All right. Well. So we've gone off on the that rails note, <laughs> We have, and you know what? It was delightful. This is such a fun episode. I loved every minute of it. So. See, this is what happens. This is what we dreamed of when we started this show. Okay, exactly. <laughs> to objectify me. Oh wait, no, no, that's wrong. <laughs> and then why um, <laughs> happened? It has been all dour and sad, but <sighs> exactly. But you know, hopefully. Happy days are coming, and it's ushered in by Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan yes. and Ryan Coogler. So thanks, yes. guys. We love you. Um, all right, so what's everyone doing this week? Um, I get to go see the one-two punch of Annihilation and Red Sparrow, which I'm seeing early talk of on Twitter, and everybody, it's either something I'm going to love or I'm going to abhor. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm just going to hope Annihilation is good. <laughs> Well, I'm also seeing Annihilation. I'm excited. I kind of my most had to wiggle into it. My most anticipated of 2018, getting it out early, so. I know. Well, my most anticipated is coming up in a couple weeks. I can't wait. Wrinkle in time. Yes. So. Yeah. But yeah, so this week I'm seeing Annihilation, too. What are you guys up to, Kim, Lauren? I have Annihilation on tap. I'll have to miss Red Sparrow, but I will Aww. be at Annihilation. Are you missing it, though? It is. <laughs> it, ew. Uh. <laughs> there are no words yeah exactly Lauren? well I, I'm going to see Black Panther on Monday uh, yay yay. and I may be going to see Annihilation this week uh, we'll have to wait and see how that pans out but um, yeah I, I honestly I, I admit I don't care that much so <laughs> yeah so I hope it's good alright yeah I, I you know that, that like will movies. be our movie review for next episode, so... It will. You'll be talking it will. about so it then. look forward to that. And this week on our website, citizendamepod.com, uh, we will be doing our weekly top five. This time we're talking about top five movie presidents in honor of President's Day. And... I'm going to cheat my ass off this week. Because I, I got, like... <laughs> 
three people right now, and you're going to be all, but Kristen, they haven't played movie presidents. No, but I'm going to make the argument that <laughs> they they could have. They, they should be president. <laughs> One of go. them, I go. think you all would agree, I could make the argument that it, and it would be okay. So, <laughs> Awesome. Also, I will have reviews of the Oscar-nominated shorts. I have seen all of them, and I'm going to review them uh, just really quickly. My favorite animated is Lou, which is from Pixar. Favorite documentary is Edith and Eddie. And my favorite live-action short was um, probably DeKalb Elementary. So there you go. But I will have full reviews of all of them this week. So look for that. And um, also, Kristen, where can they follow you? Um, I am everywhere. Uh, you can find me on you Twitter. You are. You can find me on Twitter, though, mostly um, talking about inappropriate things uh, at journeys underscore film. And where did you publish this week? I think something happened. Oh, yeah. I got to uh, be published on Roger Ebert's Boulder and Dash uh, column. Yes, talking about how I hate the term difficult to ruin a woman's career and the history of it and how many a good actress has uh, lost her job because she is a, supposedly a pain in the ass to work with. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, it's on RogerEbert.com. You can find it. Um, yeah, it was probably the hardest thing I ever had to write. Karen knows many of the sweaty emails I sent her where I was <laughs> like, this, this is horrible. I shouldn't do this. Why did I agree to this? Um, and I think it turned out good. It did. It's a great article. Everybody should go read it. So, uh, Lauren, where can they follow you and what are you up to? I am at LH Business on Twitter. And, I mean, I also have a blog, suddenlyashotrangout.com. All right. And Kim? I'm on Twitter at kpeer624. All right. And I am also on Twitter at Karen M. Peterson. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at CitizenDamePod on Facebook, facebook.com slash CitizenDame. Download us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean. We're uh, CitizenDame.Podbean.com. We're all over the place, and it's awesome. And we are just doing everything we can to take over the podcasting world. So thank you yes. all for um, helping us out. Rate, review, subscribe, share we should, with We people. should also mention briefly that we have a – well, by the time this comes out, it'll already be done. But we are considering a Patreon. Yes. Something we're considering. So if you we think are. it's a – if it's you think it's a good idea or a bad idea, um, send us a tweet. There's a poll going on right now, but it's it'll be over by the time this comes out. So, if you think you would donate to helping us uh, take over the world or at least secure a Hollywood husband who will be nude for our enjoyment, you can send us it's a tweet. It's all about us bringing you the best content possible, and let us know what you think. <laughs> so, all right. And that's going to wrap it up for episode 23. From all of us here, we want to wish you a good week and go see Black Panther. Remote driving system activated. Wait, which side of the road is it? For bus sake, just drive. Okay, calm down. Look at your suit. You've been taking bullets, charging it up with kinetic energy. Put around the truck. Ready, 